1: stories of briscoe and bradshaw i would be bradshaw that would be the chickashaw native chickashaw hall of famer mr gerald briscoe we have got a treat today from 1982 to 2007 this man ran the rough shot over the nfl three super bowl championships he was in the comeback with jim kelly he was an official mr jerry austin mr austin welcome to the show
2: well thank you very much but um for that comeback game kelly was injured and he is Frank Wright. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah Frank, that's right.
0: Frank, uh, Frank just got named a coach, head coach somewhere too, right? Uh, Panthers. Carolina, yes, sir.
2: Yeah, Carolina you, Panthers.
0: Where, where, where are you living now, Joe? Where am I? what? Yeah, where, where do you live now? I
2: live uh, right outside Greensboro, North Carolina.
0: Oh, great place! Great place. I had a lot of great memories in Greensboro, North Carolina. When you were growing up, did you ever watch Jim Crockett promotions or any of that stuff? Um, I I don't
2: think so. You
0: um, was, was all into that uh, that uh, football and basketball back in your day, right? Yeah. Well, wonderful. We're going to get it kicked off here. As John mentioned, you. Know, one one of the you know we're seeing all all these. Uh, all these great comebacks in, in the NFL this year in the playoffs, especially there's been a couple of teams uh, make uh, these tremendous uh, comebacks, but you're, you're involved in, and, in, and one of the, 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 the most historical comeback of all time is Buffalo with Frank Wright, the quarterback, John, not Jim. That's John, right. Jim That's Connelly right. Hurt. And, and and it was a, a one of your team to Houston. Was it the Oilers then? Oh, the it broke
1: my heart. Yeah, I, I'm from uh-huh. Texas and I love the Houston Oilers and love you, Blue Earl Campbell, Bum Phillips. That broke my heart.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think who the coach was at the time.
0: and <clears throat> It wasn't Phillips. It wasn't Bum. Who? Bum. It wasn't Bum Phillips, right? Was, was no. It, was Glanville down there then?
2: Uh, no, it it was the, uh, he played for the Redskins. Um, Uh, uh,
1: Jorg not Jorgensen.
0: Uh, he had to come to me in a minute. Yeah. But, but on, on, on that there, Gerald, you know, as, as the game's going along and, 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 you know, it, it just seemed like a runaway game. And then all of a sudden that big Mo, that momentum started shifting there. As an official, can you feel that vibration? Can you feel that momentum with the team? And how does that feel on the field? And what what kind of vibes were coming from the crowds there?
2: Well, I can tell you at halftime it was uh, uh, thirty-five to three or thirty-two to three. Thirty-five to three is thirty-two point difference at halftime, and uh, uh, Jack Pardue was a the coach. There you go. And and so I, I talked to the crew in a, in a locker room. I said, "Let's keep everything under control. Keep the game moving. Uh, let's get it over, cause it's pretty much over right then." <laughs> and so we're talking about getting it over. <clears throat> so we go out there, um, and the first score of the second half, Houston kicks a field goal and makes it. 38-3, to 35-point difference, I believe is correct. I'd have to go back and check it for sure. But I know they kicked a field goal. That was the first score. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, and so they kick off to, uh, to the Bills, and the Bills take it right down the field and score. And then they kick off, and the kicker misses the ball. Well, he doesn't hit the ball the way he's intended. He is swinging his leg to put it in the end zone. But it bounces, and, and the uh, Houston's backing up already. So the Bills recover the ball. And then they go down and score again.
0: So, so now, on an onside kick, uh, accidentally an onside kick then.
2: That's correct. An onside kick with the receivers backing up and not staying up there to play the ball. But neither were the Bills ready to play the ball because they were sprinting down the field. (laughs) The kicker recovered the ball at about uh, 14, 15 yards beyond the spot where he kicked it. Well, anyway, they scored. And then, you know, you start thinking, well, is this leading up to anything? Well, it did because the uh Houston didn't score again and as you know uh um, the Bills tied it at 38-38 uh and and then um
0: what what was your uh, your attitude on on the field at that time as an official could you feel could you feel that can you feel momentum when it starts shifting how 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 does that go
2: well after the second score uh you can feel the momentum. You see two things. You see excitement on the Bill sideline and you can see over on, on the owner's sideline, they're saying, come on, let's get it under control. Let's, let's don't let this get away from us. I heard someone say that. Let's don't let this get away from us. And you know, uh, Warren Moon was a quarterback for Houston and he had been very, very successful. So in the, in the overtime, uh, the uh, Oilers won the toss and chose the ball. And uh, the Bills kick off to them. They made one first down, I believe. And then they throw a pass to Hayward over the middle. Hayward runs about three or four yards, gets hit, and fumbles the ball. And the Bills recover. And the Bills make a first down to get in field goal range and kick a field goal, and the game's over.
0: Wow. Now, back then, explain to the, to, to our fans here, the rules were completely different back in those days. Here, you just got the, the team that got the ball more or less you, would win in overtime because all you had to do was score some type of score, score whether field goal, touchdown, or safety or something like that, right?
2: I believe that's right. Uh, all you had to do was score. Whoever scored first, game was over. Uh, this was before they said the sec- other team had to have a chance, but circumstances were both teams had a chance to score. They had a possession of the ball, so that that's how that one went.
0: How, how do you feel about that rule change? Do you think that's the right thing now? I, 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 I on my part, i I, I like the, I like the way the overtime goes now.
2: Yeah. I'd do one more thing to it. You know, it says if the team at first gains possession scores a touchdown, it's over. I, I would say both teams should be entitled to a possession. And if, if the opponent scores a touchdown in their first possession before I have a chance to possess uh, have possession of the ball, then I should get the opportunity to tie the score. And uh, that would be the only way I would change that.
0: I agree. I agree with you there. But before this great comeback uh, happened, there you you were you were you're Carolina boy. You, you come up in the mountains of North Carolina there, and uh, you, you we have mutual friends, Mr. Murdoch, that that's a uh, wonderful guy with charities up up in the Asheville area there. You were Western Carolina. Is that where you attended college? And was you an athlete at Western Carolina?
2: Uh, no. I was already officiating when I was at Western,
0: wow. and
2: uh, Jim Gudger was a basketball coach, so I helped out with the basketball team with Gudger, and then I officiated the freshman game. Uh, they paid us three dollars a game to officiate <laughs> their game. Wow! <laughs> and, but uh, I'd I'd put the uh, that was the big money for through. a
0: college boy, right?
2: Yeah, that's that was good money. Yeah. <laughs> Any money was good money.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you, you became a what, an ACC official. Uh, is that your first big conference that you that you earned your officiating badge by? Yeah, I, I did
2: uh, ACC football. Who were some and basketball. of the,
0: who were who were some of the stars in the basketball league back in the ACC? Cuz it was loaded with with top-flight basketball players.
2: Well, David Thompson, Bill Ford, um, Mike Jiminski for Duke. Um, uh, trying to think.
0: When you when you said Thompson, now he's he's a part of that Fab five that uh, that one that won, uh, won the NC State national title. Was that the year you started?
2: No, I started the year before that. The year before it, that. When when David was a freshman. Right. Uh, and freshmen couldn't play varsity. Right. Yeah. So, if you worked a game at NC State, a freshman game, it'd be a full house for the freshman game <laughs> J- just to watch David Thompson play.
0: Wow. Um, well, what a scorer of- he was. What a scorer. So, you started the year before that. So, that year, North Carolina State really, you know, Jim Valvano's big year that, that year. What what kind of interaction did you have with, with Coach V there? What, what what a wonderful person I had I had the pleasure of meeting him of all place, a bathroom at Charlotte North Carolina Airport day.
2: Well, during David Thompson's time, it was Norm Sloan.
0: Yeah, Norm Sloan, okay.
2: Yeah, and he was his wonderful personal self.
0: And okay. anybody that
2: okay. anybody ever officiated would say the same thing. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Norm, Norm, Norm was was a wonderful guy too. Uh, I, 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 don't know if you ever met uh, Joe Mernick, who was a the promoter there in Raleigh. Joe was a big supporter of of Norm and 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 also of over over Dean over Carolina there. So yeah, I, uh, no,
2: I didn't know him. I, I don't know that I ever met him, but
0: uh,
2: I, I developed a great relationship with uh, Eddie Beatenbach, right. and uh, as a matter of fact. Um, Uh, I taught school where Roy Williams went to high school. Uh, so, and he talks about going to the elementary school gym, Biltmore school. I was my first teaching job was at Biltmore and Roy used to climb through the window (laughs) so they could go in there and play basketball late at night. (laughs)
0: That sounds familiar. A lot of athletes. I know we used to sneak in our old gym out in Oklahoma at nighttime. So we'd get on those wrestling matches and, and practice wrestling all night. All that, <laughs> without the coaches hollering at us. With, you know, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you so. can do it for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Norman, Norm those guys. Uh, Roy, my wife went to Carolina. She was at Carolina, same year uh, Roy was, and and was uh, had a couple of classes with Roy. And then she said, "What, what a great, great gentleman he was way back in those days there." You know, so,
2: yeah, he was he he was that way from the time I knew him from twelve years old on up. He he was always been a, a, a gentleman, um, a scholar too. He he. Uh, I think, finished the top of his high school class.
0: Uh, uh, also, uh, at, at at Carolina, at, at the football, when you were referee in both sports football and and, uh, and basketball and in the ACC back in those days? Yes, I was. There were a lot of, a lot of great stars. Was, was that during the Lawrence Taylor era at, 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 at Carolina? Or was that after?
2: Uh, uh, Lawrence was a little ahead of me, uh, yeah. so I, I didn't have – have Lawrence Taylor, Taylor as a player,
0: but uh, as a college player, anyway. Yeah.
2: Bill Dooley was coaching during most of the time that I was in the ACC at Carolina. And then he left there and went to Virginia Tech.
0: Did, did you, you were like like you you refereed a lot of these stars and and football after you got into the NFL and when you run into them was it kind of a flashback good memories with these guys did you form any type of friendship with them or, 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 or was it?
2: no I always had had a good relationship with the players um, I always thought <clears throat> as a, philosophically with players you know. Sometimes you see a player say something, you see official throw a flag. Uh, my philosophy was I'd rather snarl at him and holler at him instead of flagging them. and usually you got more respect from the players. Uh, player makes some caustic remark at you or where you're officiating and then, I said, "What are you trying to do? Put me in a position where first I'm going to throw a flag, and if I throw a flag on you, I'm going to kick you out of the game. So you decide what you want to do." And uh, and usually we get settled down. And
0: uh, that's a question I was going to ask you too. Uh, you know, some of these players nowadays, you see these players, and also the coaches, they really get these referees' faces, and and they re- really start chewing on. Them. Where, where, where's it cross the border nowadays? You know, where I, hey, that's a flag, coach. I can't handle that. You know, you, you're out of here. you that's a penalty on your team. How do well, how do you had, handle the coaches? Get screaming at Slava coming out. Uh, it's <laughs> almost like Sergeant Slaughter cutting a promo, and he, he's hollering at you. He got Slava coming out all over.
2: Oh, you're talking about Bill Cowher. Nobody <laughs> exactly. Nobody <laughs> threw it. more Slava than he did. <laughs> I know one time he didn't like a, a, a call we had made. And so he, he wants me to come over there and talk to him. So we got a timeout and I go over there and he just starts in on me. And that slava's is going everywhere and I'm backing up and he de- takes another step forward and I'm backing up. We end up by the time the timeout was over beyond the numbers uh, toward the <laughs> middle of the field. And I said to him, I said, Bill, you see where you are? He said, oh, shucks. Except he used a different word. And he headed back to the sideline.
1: <laughs> Did you ever have any, like, really funny interaction with players? Were some players more fun to deal with? Obviously, some players more fun to deal with, but some really fun interactions with some of these great players?
2: Uh, most players, you know, you, had a, you could have a good interaction with. Um, I spent more interaction as a as a referee with uh, with quarterbacks and defensive ends than I did at anybody else. Um, I know one time uh, when Bruce Smith was playing for the Redskins, and he's saying, "Jerry, they're holding me on every play." And I said, "Bruce, let's get one thing straight." If you don't want to be held, there's not a lineman in this league that can hold you. I said, it's just a matter of you going through that lineman or he takes you to the ground. He says, if he takes me to a ground, is that a foul? I said, yes, it is. On the next play, Bruce bull rushes, and the guy grabs him, and Bruce takes him to the ground. <laughs> well we're in a game that uh, it's not even close so I throw a flag and uh, I throw a flag and Bruce looks up and I said well he took you to the ground or did you take him to the ground I said we got holding and he says about time I said but listen Bruce this is the only flag you're getting all year
0: You flew a complimentary flag for uh, Bruce Smith.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're late in the game, and Redskins were up by four touchdowns. So, yeah.
0: so, so there are spots in the game where where you get a little bit looser. Or is that what what the deal well, is on that?
2: Uh, when the game is out of control, and you're in the fourth quarter. You want it to be huge. You say that to your crew. Everybody knows. Uh, They don't adhere to that as much nowadays. But in the the past, even the league office would tell you, make sure fouls are really big when a game is uh, four scores or more in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, you, you see a lot of fouls nowadays. You know, as fans, we sit back. We really don't know the rules and regulations like like the referees do out there, of course. But uh, you see some fouls nowadays, and you know, you, you you hit on a little bit earlier where Bruce told you they're holding me every play. You know that that old that old fan philosophy. You know, there, there's a penalty every play that you can call. I've sat next to a couple of referees on airplanes leaving Tampa here. You know, the next day after a game, and they pull out the little iPads now and they show me on the iPad well which play do you think was a foul well this and this and they'll pull it up they'll run through a position but p- position there wasn't a foul on that play you know the referee was right you know but is, is there close to being a foul on every play uh
2: I don't think so uh, I, I think what you should be looking for and one thing the 20 years I was a coordinator uh, conference USA um, I always said the call should make itself. If an official, you see a play you think is a foul, you say, it's a foul, it's a foul, now throw. If you say, it's a foul, well, I'm not sure, keep it in your pocket. Don't be looking for fouls, but when it's there, have the courage to throw and call it. So, what's a foul? Something that restricts an opponent from being able to do what he's supposed to do that's not legal because blockers are restricting opponents, but if the d- defensive end beats the tackle's feet, then the tackle's pretty much got to let him go or push him right on past the quarterback, and that's something you don't see too much of anymore is uh That being the guideline for holding, because I see some offensive holding calls that, in my opinion, that are kind of borderline. And if it's borderline, let it go. You can always step up to the player. I saw what you did on the last play. You might want to get your hands in a little quicker. And that way, I know our crew the last four years, we didn't average more than 10 fouls per game. And you see some crews averaging 26, 27 fouls per game. And
0: when, when you see that, what's that tell you? That they're being overly critical to the players? Or what? What what's that tell you when they're when you see 20, 25 fouls a game?
2: I think they're looking for something when they let the game flow. Be the manager of the game, let the game flow. And... If it's foul, if you can meet the criteria of a foul, then call it. Um,
1: Mr. Olson, what, what, when you when you see a foul, like I say, a holding call that's on the backside uh, that doesn't affect the play, but it is definitely a hold, is that always called? Is there some? Do you have some type of judgment for yourself that this is not affecting the play, so you talk to the player instead of throwing a flag?
2: I think uh, all your good officials do that. They, if it's a backside hole, you got a sweep right and a backside hole on the left side, then the the official has responsibility for backside coverage. Should go to that player and say, "Hey, it's a good thing the play didn't come this way." And you're not telling him, "I let you have a foul." You just tell him, "It's a good thing the play didn't come this way." He understands what you're talking about, because Really, what's the job of officiating is to manage the ball game, spot the ball, wind the clock, keep the game moving. And if there's something there, true restriction, then make the call.
1: What's the biggest thing you've seen change? in the game. I mean obviously so much more for safety, but as far as the game flow itself, what's the biggest thing you've seen change since you started back in, in the 80s when uh you know people people there were there weren't just a lot of rules being called back then. There were a lot of hits that were being called back then. Now now they're illegal. They weren't back then.
2: Oh that's true. They were not illegal. Uh it's Deacon Jones. You can look at any of Deacon Jones's video. He was before my time. But but how many Swats did he hit to tackles that are trying to block him? And then when he got to the quarterback, he'd take your head off. If he wasn't late, it wasn't a foul. Right now,
0: it'd be disqualified. Do you think it's a good thing that that the rules of, of course, protection of the quarterback? He's the star of the game. But do you think it's gone? Sometimes it goes overboard to trying to protect that quarterback back there. How many quarterbacks play all all
2: 17 games?
0: Not a lot.
2: (laughs) Not a lot. So I don't think they're being overly protected. They're very vulnerable. Quarterback's vulnerable. He can't brace for anything coming because he's concentrating on the receiver that he's throwing the ball to. And so I, I think they're protecting the quarterback the way they should.
0: Yeah. They'll, they old they, they school quarterbacks like Billy Kemmer and then Sonny Jurgison and Y. Till and some of those guys. Man, they, they seem to just relish the hit and seem to get fired up over it. Nowadays, it seems like there, there's a lot of a pouting going on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of
2: well, I know s- s- some of the uh, earlier quarterbacks kind of, if you really talk to them, they say, I wish we had those rules when I was playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, as, they're, as they're, getting, they're picking up their canes and walking
1: <laughs> Was, was right. there. Any, was there any difference uh, that you weigh? I, I know it's just human nature. I know it's not supposed to be, but would you did you treat Lawrence Taylor and Joe Montana any different than, say, the regular player that's just on the 45-man roster that was just kind of playing day by day?
2: No, I don't think so. I think – you program in your in your mind and in your head as to uh, what what you're going to call and what you don't call. So it doesn't matter who the participant is. Are they meeting my guidelines or not? And you can say the rule, the, the league has guidelines for every play, every type of play and every, uh, all the players, but every official, has their own internal guidelines that they follow. And so you're not gonna give somebody more than you do another because then you won't know this week, what am I doing based on last week? And you want to develop that consistency. You know, that's that's the one thing coaches say all the time, just be consistent, be consistent. Uh, And like Jerry Glanville told me one time, he says, you're really consistent in this game. I said thank you coach. <laughs> and I said thank you coach and Jerry said, "Yeah, you're consistently
0: wrong." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just going to
0: say he, he had he had one of the greatest coaching personalities in, in my in my my history, uh, my memory of any coaches were there the coaches like that? A lot of fun. Some of them be real comical to you and try to ease the ease the tension on the field. And is there a lot of tension out there on the field?
2: Yeah, that uh, you had some coaches. Uh, as soon as the game start, they were a wild man until the game was over. <laughs> yeah. uh, when the game started, Jerry was a comedian until the game was over. <laughs> uh, he could be serious. I mean, when there's uh, a tough situation, he'd uh, address it seriously, but other times he, he'd have a comical thing to say.
0: I always like when he got kept tickets there on that the box office will call for Elvis Presley all the time,
2: every game. Every game. <laughs> I, I, I heard that um, in the uh, big sky conference when he was at Portland State, he even left them there.
1: It's <laughs> great. It's great.
0: Well, there was a report that he was out in Portland working at a Burger King or a McDonald's or something like
2: that. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Jerry was a character. He got he got involved a little bit in our business a little bit and I had the opportunity running into him a couple time and he, he would you know a completely different personality on the wrestling end, but what a hilarious guy when he's just trying to be trying to be offbeat a little bit uh, i enjoyed his company
2: yeah he yeah he he was and you know you take some coaches every calls wrong that's against his team then you have other coaches uh that if they if they question a call Bill Parcells. Yeah. Huh. Bill never questioned a call, but if he questioned one, then when you look at the video, he's right and you're wrong.
0: Wow. Uh, there, were Were there a lot of coaches like that, really cerebral that that you know knew the rules better than you or thought they knew better than <laughs> you? Well, I think a lot
2: of them thought they knew him better than yeah. I did, but
0: Joe Joe Gibb, for he seems like one of these guys that's really astute and just really has everything under control at all times. How was he to work with on the field?
2: Uh, he was he was okay to work with on the field. Uh, time to time, he could get get caustic, but uh, more times than not, he was just taking care of business. He's doing his job and letting us do ours.
1: Mr. Olson, you you worked with some of the greatest uh, players, obviously of all time, in 25 years from 82 to 80, so 2007. But you had Montana, you had Brett Farr, Jim Kelly, you had in Super Bowls. Uh, the, what what was the difference between those guys, and did one stand out more so than the others, and uh, as compared to the regular quarterbacks that were out there?
2: <clears throat> well, you see. Some quarterbacks that know they're going to get hit, you can kind of see their body tense up. Joe Montana is not a big person. He's not a big stature and big muscular person. But he, he seemed to be so zeroed in on what he was doing and what his job was. I've seen him take hits that I didn't, couldn't understand how he got up off the ground. But he hung in there till the very last second to complete the play. And you're good. You're great quarterbacks. They do that. Um, Brett Favre, he would throw five interceptions, but he told me one time, <clears throat> we were at a at a camp together. He told me one time, I said, when you throw five interceptions, what's your thoughts? I'm going to throw five touchdowns. <laughs> he just felt like he would overcome whatever whatever went went bad, and I think that's the way the good quarterbacks are.
0: That must be that Joe Burrow's philosophy too. He goes out for those four interceptions in first half, then comes back with those five, four touchdowns in the second. <laughs> well,
2: that's true, and and, and uh, the guy in Jacksonville,
0: yeah, uh, Lawrence, yeah, yeah. Lawrence. yeah. Yeah,
2: he did the same thing.
1: Yeah. So Bill Belichick amazing. said that uh Lawrence Taylor was the greatest player that he ever coached. And he coached man, he coached he coached Tom Brady. Uh was Lawrence Taylor the best player you ever saw? Or if and if he wasn't, who was?
2: He was the best defensive player I ever saw. Best player. Um uh, it'd be hard to say that Jerry Rice wasn't the best overall player. Right. What we all know how great Tom Brady was, the yeah, great career he's had. Um, I, I think it'd be difficult to single out a single person as the overall GOAT. Well, I that's think. almost
0: when, when people ask us who is the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, it's really hard to kind of, you know, pertaining to what, because there's so many different aspects of the game there that you, you officiate, you know, that makes them great at, at at one area of the game. But a lot of them like, like Montana and Jerry Rice, as you said, guys were players and and, and had good people on top of it. Is there is there any intimidation like, you know, a rookie referee coming in and all of a sudden he's looking at Tom Brady. Is there ever any are you ever run in your cruise or are you ever run across any intimidation a referee has to kind of gunshot a call up call a penalty on on one of these superstars
2: i i don't think so and if they did they didn't last
0: they didn't last they didn't last yeah Uh,
2: i i think you come in and you get zeroed in on, on what your job is and you try to stay in that zone from for the entire 60 minutes of game
0: they're basic position players and numbered when when you're out there in your mindset, then, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. You, you know who's lined up if you're a deep wing official. You know when Jerry Rice is on your side and he's coming deep. Because initially I was a deep official and you would know Jerry Rice would, uh, he's going to beat that defender. So how does that defender gonna keep from getting beat? He gonna grab. Hold <laughs> <And, laughs> <and, anything. laughs> Yeah, and you look for that, and because he, he not only could he beat him deep, he beat him with the routes that he ran. Uh, Steve Largent, maybe the slowest receiver around, but he ran the most. Precise routes. So the quarterback always knew where he was. That's why he had all those receptions over the years without physically being the best at that. But he was one heck of a receiver.
0: To, to be a successful referee at, at your level, is there a lot of studying that goes on with individual players? Do you look at the individual? Do you study individual players? And when you have a big game, say the Super Bowl coming up, do you guys sit down and you you kind of review? Well, who we got playing? Or is it just a, a massive team out there that you're looking to call call? Well,
2: uh, you do study what uh, the two teams are. Uh, you're going to have video of the two teams and what their what their approach is, both offensively and defensively. If if I'm the referee and I'm protecting a quarterback and I know this defensive team blitzes a lot, then I got to be aware of the protection this quarterback has, aware in does that blocker grab whenever you see a center and a right guard double teaming the best tackle on that team, and here comes the middle linebacker up the middle. Now, what's going to stop him? That running back blocking, I don't think so. That running back tackling him? You know, I think so. <laughs>
0: you probably saw a lot of that when Lawrence Stan was blitzing with quarterbacks quarterback, that <laughs> running back tackling. <laughs> uh,
2: no, they didn't have – I don't think a running back could tackle him.
0: <laughs> they don't <even> tackle him. <laughs>
1: Did you have certain guys like Conrad Dobler was famous for the leg whip? They've outlawed it since and all that. But do you have certain guys that you would look at on film and think, okay, I, and maybe talk to them before the game or at least look out for them uh, during the game?
2: No, I think you look out for your, your guidelines. You look out. What's your guidelines? And is it going to be violated or not? Sure, you got uh, uh, Conrad Dobler that – that's been known to grab, hold, and trip. Uh, he built that reputation without me saying anything about it. So, <clears throat> I, I. but if you're going into each game, you're going to give him the opportunity to play that game the way it should be played. And if he's better than his defender, he won't have to do any of those things. So, So that, that's who's lining up against who. And uh, I think that that has more to do with it than anything.
1: Did the league ever have directives for the season? Like, so we've had too many, too much pass interference. We want to open up the game a little more. So the league at the beginning of the season, tell you guys, please watch this because for for this reason.
2: Well, the only thing I can remember is, you know, illegal contact. You can defend can contact, contact a eligible receiver within five yards of a line of scrimmage, and we always tried let it go till six or seven. And I remember one year, um, passing was down, and so they said we're going to enforce illegal contact if it's a half a yard beyond five yards, it's a foul. And so they tightened down something like that.
1: Who were your uh, favorite quarterbacks to work with? Are your favorite defensive players? Because you worked a lot in the backfield, so virtually the defensive end, <laughs> the quarterback. So, who are your favorite guys to work with? And was there ever a time where you thought, "I don't want to really become friends with these guys because I've also got to be objective to them"? Or did, or did that not, did that not seem to matter?
2: I I don't think that mattered, um, and you know, I, I don't know that anybody was a favorite. Now, uh, Brad Johnson would want me to say that he was my favorite quarterback. <laughs> he's Brad a great character. He
0: said, "He said you were his favorite referee." So. <laughs> 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 was a little little mountain cooking going on there? <laughs> there you go.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I I've looked at those video he's done about throwing that football, and hitting the goalpost yeah
1: those are the best aren't they big bad brad
2: big bad brad you know i wanted to say to him why couldn't you hit the receivers
1: (laughs) Yeah, i'll
0: save that
2: for the golf outing (laughs) did you
0: officiate any of his high school games uh when when he was growing up
2: no his high school career was after i was in college football
1: What's the biggest difference, uh, at least then or now, that between college and pro football games?
2: Uh, the pace of play is the biggest difference. Um, even if uh, uh, even if a pro team goes no huddle, they're going to eat up twenty seconds of the forty second play clock. And in college, you get some teams that they won't eat up 10 seconds between one play and another. The only thing that slows them down is they substitute, and so the the officials have to hold up a game until the defenders have opportunity to make replacements. Uh, But in in a college game, you'll get over 200 plays a game, and pros, you're about 175. So the pace of play is the biggest difference. Now, that,
1: you get. That, I'm sorry. Doesn't that wear you guys out?
2: Uh, not really, because we're not doing any more than we did. We might do a little bit quicker, but not.
1: Yeah.
0: Any more what than kind what of we what did. what kind of conditioning do do you guys do? Do you train for a season? Do you get in shape for a season? You obviously have to to keep up with Chicago. Sometimes you're running down the field, and you guys are heel to heel with with the receivers that's running a four four forty. I know well,
2: you're not that fast, Jerry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not even half that fast. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I worked out every other day. I worked out three days a week, and then I work out on Saturday at wherever we we're having the game. And then you got on Sunday, you got the ball game. Right. Um, they put pedometers on us and found it. We'd go about seven miles a game.
0: Wow. Wow. Well. Uh, <laughs> Do you lose a lot of weight? Do you lose a lot of...
2: No, nah, I pretty much stayed the same weight uh, the,
0: a whole
2: year. Because, you know, to stay
0: uh, when you condition and you, you you work out a lot, you know, you you drop a lot of water weight and everything. I know uh, that uh, that's for fleshy guys like me and John. Anyway.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. You work on your conditioning and uh, try to do it year-round. Because if you say, I'm waiting till the season starts, uh, you don't get caught up until the first month of the
0: season's over. And then you're doing an August game down in Miami or Tampa and that, that heat and that humidity. <laughs> that's <kind> of... <laughs> but thats true. Yeah. Did weather then... Did... Weather ever affect you? uh on game because you, you're you're one week you're down in Miami, next week you're up in New England and, and freezing some below zero temperature, Then the next week you're LA and beautiful weather. Did the weather ever affect your your tip of the game?
2: Cold weather affected me.
0: I hate cold weather, and you and you, and you grow up in it.
2: <laughs> I grew up in it in the mountains, but I, uh, as older I've gotten less tolerance I have for cold weather.
0: Amen, Uh, I believe you.
2: (laughs) I know I had a game in uh, Tampa one year um, and it was extremely hot in Tampa. The Eagles were playing there. And uh, I know uh, we started the game and I kept telling everybody on Saturday in our pregame meeting you need to start right now in uh, hydrating. You got to hydrate. You can't wait till game time to hydrate. You got to start now to hydrate. So we start hydrating on Saturday. But we get in this ball game. And, uh, uh, the quarterback comes out for Philly. He comes out and he's under center, and he steps over behind the left guard and vomits. There it is. <laughs> Left guard's not happy because <laughs> he's gonna he got to step back and block in that. <laughs> but uh, but it it was that hot, and by, by the time we got to the uh, fourth quarter, I thought we was going to lose a couple of officials, and then it appeared we were going to overtime, and and Tampa kicked a 62-yard field goal to win the game in the last three seconds of the game.
0: Oh, wow.
2: I, I later told Gruden I'd never been so happy to see him win a game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, John, of course, I, I, I'm a Tampa here, and I'm, I'm a big Gruden fan. How was he to officiate? Would, because he's one of those high-tempered guys that, that runs his mouth and enjoys running his
2: mouth. a <laughs> Uh well, I can tell you about one one time. Uh, we have a, a play, a pass play over the middle. And uh, receiver gets the ball, starts to turn, gets hit. The ball comes out. And we rule it incomplete. And the Bucs, Buccaneers fall on it. But we're ruling it incomplete. John throws a red flag. I go over there. I said... Uh, what you got, coach? He said, I'm challenging the call. That should be our ball. And I start to head. So I turn around and make the announcement. Uh, Tampa's challenging the call on the field of an incomplete pass. I make the announcement. And then he says, I don't know why in the hell I'm challenging this because I've never won a challenge with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh did he win that one huh no
1: he didn't <laughs> That's great. <laughs> did, years years past uh nfl referees always they seem to have other jobs unlike baseball where you had full-time referees did, i mean this is the most profitable league in in the world by far do you think that the nfl should have changed that a while back where these guys would just work exclusively and just be full-time referees.
2: What are you going to do during the week? You can only look at your game film so much. Uh, now I know a couple of uh, uh, people over the years that the demands of their civilian job was so much that it affected their officiating. And I think that's where you, the league has to say to them, uh, We need more of, we need your head in our our game, not your head in your other job. Because, but for me, even being in education, being an administrator, um, when I left home on Saturday morning, I, I didn't think of anything but football. And if I'd gotten a call that a, one of our schools was burning down. I would make sure everybody's safe, but I'd <laughs> still be concentrating on football. Right. Uh,
1: when you look at football today, you know, we got a big Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Uh, what do you think of the officiating? What do you think about the rules? How do you think the game's change? How do you like it?
2: Uh I'm one of those that when they brought replay back that, if we can get the call right, let's get it right. And so replay is a part of the game. Now it's a part of every sport. And it's been beneficial. You see fewer baseball managers getting ejected because <laughs> replay replay either proves them right or wrong. Uh and and so uh, I just I think that uh the officials today have more demands on them than what we had. I can remember before Marino was drafted in Miami, Don Shula didn't throw 20 passes a game. And there were a number of other coaches didn't. So the game was narrowed down. Then even after we get the passing quarterbacks in the league, they're not roll-out quarterbacks; they're pocket quarterbacks. But now you get quarterbacks like Mahomes, and, uh, and 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 uh, and and the Joe Burroughs. Uh, he he rolls out more than half the quarterbacks roll out or do play-action plays. Play-action puts more on the officials because there's more, uh, there's more things that can happen in a play. It's not hand off the ball and Jim kick goes up the middle for five or six yards or Larry Zonka. Just use a couple of old time examples. So I think they have a, a a tougher job to do better trained to do it. They have the video availability to, to, to do the job and, uh, and there's been some turnover in the white hats, and so they got to mature to the level of where uh, the older officials got to after 10 years of, of being a white hat. Uh, officials had they had a couple of things in the championship game that got a lot of attention, but with the video that's available nowadays, you're going to have a lot of attention. Well, one
0: of the biggest attentions was the shove out of Mahomes that that gave Kansas City the the yardage to get that field goal done.
2: You didn't have a choice on that.
0: I I agree with that. I agree wholeheartedly with that call. Yeah, it's got to be made. And they made
2: it. Um, There were a couple of plays in the the other championship game that I thought maybe was a little – uh, technical, but under my philosophy, let them play, get the big stuff. Yeah.
0: When, when you, you were in the beginning of replays, of course, what what was the the, the general consensus of the referees? Man, we're going to be proven wrong on this. What, what was the mindset of the referees with replays? You know, it's just it, it, all of a sudden you got that that magic eye on you that don't miss too much.
2: Um. You know, it's about 50 50, the first year of replay. Um, some of the older officials that have been in the league a long time didn't care for it. Uh, those of us younger in the league, we were okay with it. Uh, and, you know, and the question was how are you going to see everything? How are you going to know? Well, Back then, it was like three cameras or four at the most in a ball game. Yeah. Now they're gonna have 35 cameras in in the Super Bowl, yeah. so everything everything can be seen. Uh, uh, so I think it has grown on officials because more times than not, 90% of the time it proves the official was correct.
0: Do you think there's times when a referee will well, think it's borderline. He throws the flag anyway, and you know, and just just so because he knows he's going to be challenged on the play.
2: You hope you don't have too too many of those around. Uh, I I think you know you, you can't as a coordinator of officials can't deny that that's in some officials' mind, but I don't think they're moving to the NFL. Uh, I, I don't think NFL officials
1: take that approach. Do, do you still uh, enjoy the game? Do you, can you watch it? after all the years that you were so technically involved in the game? Can you sit back and just watch it now as, as a fan?
2: I, I officiate every game I watch.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> Does your wife and family get a little upset with you? Now, Jerry, you're not out there now today. Now, calm down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, She'll ask me when you're going to the next camp because I still (laughs) scout officials for uh, some college conferences. Uh, I I scout officials, um, look at the ones that are ready to work power five, those that are ready for the other division one schools and others that are I want to look at down the road in a few years. Uh, I've already been to two camps and uh, scheduled to go to 10 more before football season.
1: What's the uh, What's the one piece of advice you would give young uh, officials when you talk to them?
2: Advice I give them? Uh, I, I, here's the things to look for. First, are you fit? If you're 20 pounds, 30 pounds overweight, I don't look at you. Are you in position? Do you own that position? Are you mechanically sound in where you are and your movement? Do you know the rules? There's no excuse for not knowing the rules and and knowing them thoroughly. Uh, And so, look at as much video as you can so that you can establish what your judgment level should be, whether it's a pass play, a run play, a fumble, uh, a block. Is it a block in the back or is it a block on the side? How do you make, how do you tell the difference when the blocker approaches from the side? Which hand controls that defender? Does he go down on his nose or does he go down on his side? He goes down on his side, it's a side block. Goes down on his nose, the force came from the back. And those are the kind of things in in trying to help young officials prepare. So know the rules, be fit, be in the right place, and uh, don't look for calls, but make them when they're there. Okay, biggest question that we're going to ask, who wins the Super Bowl? Who wins the Super Bowl? Yes, sir. The Stripes. The Stripes.
1: (laughs) What's your your favorite team? The Stripes. (laughs) Good. That's a great answer.
0: <laughs> Mr. Austin, well, hey, thank you. You're calling it right down the middle of the day. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> Mr. Austin, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, Jerry and I, you know, we wrestled for so many years, and Jerry's a Hall of Famer. And in about every Hall of Fame you can be in, from amateur wrestling to pro wrestling, and we're a huge football fans. So we, this is a huge treat for us. So thank you so much. Well, you only got one problem. What's that? Murdoch. Yeah,
0: that's uh, right uh, let's talk about you you you, you help bill create that uh beyond all borders charity right or you you're actively involved in that charity with bill right
2: yes i am
0: yeah. uh folks uh, bill murdoch Asheville, north carolina he's he, he's the king of charity and in, in all all of north carolina and all the united states He what a wonderful man some of the golf tournaments he puts on jerry i'm sure you're involved in those and 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 uh and I'd like to get Bill's going to get John there one of these days for one of those golf tournaments. So I'm sure you guys will run run into each other. But what 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 other charities are you involved in? And I know with with me and John, with headlock on hunger. You know we we feed uh, uh, school children during during uh, during the year, all year long. And uh, it's a wonderful deal that Bill helped us get started there. And a lot of the local Elblin, uh, 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 Mr. Eblin there. Has, has helped us throughout the years with it when they, when he was still around with it
2: yeah but joe eblin charities uh i i over the 25 years i guess i was able to get super bowl tickets and right. and then um uh, sell them the league allows you to sell them for a, a 301 charity uh, and so uh, I did over 25 years, and now I'm helping Bill and and Brad with Beyond Borders. And uh, those are my main charities that I actually get out and do footwork for.
0: Yeah, yeah Bill, Bill tells me every year. Yeah, he told me when when Carolina, he graciously were able to round him up over 25 tickets. He said they, they sold like hotcakes. He could probably could have sold another 25 uh tickets there I uh, know did do you ever know Bill Maxwell was the NFL I uh, don't think so bill, bill was bill bill helped me out obtaining Super Bowl tickets when they were in Tampa here several times but he, he was a wonderful guy but uh yeah mr Murdoch and, and then Joe Evelyn uh what, what what a legacy they've left behind there and uh you know everybody speaks so highly of them and uh, so I'd like to get John up for that golf tournament. It does, it does a lot of good there. So uh, we really appreciate your time today. I know you you probably had a lot of requests with the big game coming up this weekend. We're not going to get a prediction out of you, are we? <laughs> no,
2: I I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't know how to predict. You wouldn't know how to predict. Yeah. Well, Jerry, we appreciate your time. And then thanks so much for being on board with us. Hey, thanks for the invitation, guys.